Good morning, family. Come on. Come on. It's so great to see you and to be with you today. Today is obviously a very, very special day. And our whole focus today is on gratitude and wanting to just have a time where we express our gratitude, but also recognize the value of gratitude in our lives. Now, the first thing that I want to express some gratitude for this morning is just around our faith promise. You know that we've had our faith promise season in August. And uh, first of all, let me tell you that for the 2021 to 2022 pledge, the amount that was pledged by you as a community was 4.5 million. But in the end, when we received everything and calculated it, we received 5 million rand from you towards... towards our missions and towards ministry and just doing things outside of our own church across the street or across the globe, as you know our our saying is. And then we also asked you to pledge again for this coming year, so the 2022 to 2023 year, and therein our pledge has come in at 4.5. So last year was 4.5, sorry, 4.6 for this coming year that it has come in. So even that you've grown And uh, I know that last year we gave 115%, so let's see what happens this coming year. Isn't that a fantastic thing to be as we so grateful for? And um, really want to say to you as a community, thank you so much for your continued faithfulness and and giving, not only in Faith Promise, but also in the tithes and offerings of the church. We, We desperately in this time need everyone's contribution and everyone's support as we are negotiating through these challenging days and assisting people in any way that we can. So, let's talk about gratitude. How many of you have heard of one of Aesop's fables called the fable about Androcles? How many of you have ever heard about a guy by the name of Androcles? Now, not many, but some. Now, Androcles was a runaway slave. In other words, he was a slave that escaped and was running for his life, because if he would be captured, he would not only be put back into slavery, but there would also be a chance that he could actually be killed because he escaped slavery. And so he ran into the forest and was hiding in the forest. In the forest, he came along a lion, a lion that had a thorn in his paw and was in a, in a place of pain and discomfort. So Androcles proceeded to help this lion and eventually got the lion's, uh, the thorn removed from the lion's paw, and then they separated their ways. Not long after that, Androcles was caught. And the judgment that was passed over his life was that he was be- to be thrown to the lions to be a- eaten. And guess who he met? Who was supposed to be the lion that whose dinner he was going to be that day? No other than this lion that he saved. And fortunately for him, the lion remembered him and therefore refused to eat him. Do you know that gratitude can save your life? How many of you can recognize that being grateful can save your life and my life? In psychology today, gratefulness or gratitude is defined in the following way. Gratitude is both a temporary feeling and a dispositional trait. In both cases, gratitude involves a process of recognizing first that one has obtained a positive outcome and second, that there is an external source for that good outcome. I think that's a great definition. 
Gratitude is both a temporary feeling. Every now and then, we feel grateful. Something happens, and we feel grateful. But not only is it a feeling that we have every now and then, it can become a way of life also. We can live our lives as people that display gratitude, that have a disposition towards things of gratefulness and of gratitude. When we live our lives with gratefulness, it releases energy into our lives. Now, when I use the word energy, I think some of you are going to go, I knew it. He's a new age pastor. No, that's not the kind of energy that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about some spiritual energy. I'm talking about real energy, just energy. Gratefulness and gratitude helps us to assume a position that gives us strength. But what I want us to remember and particularly as Christians today, that gratitude requires humility. Gratitude, in some ways, is built on the foundation of humility. Why do I say that? Because to be grateful, as this definition says, involves a process of recognizing that one has obtained a positive outcome and second, that, that, that there is an external source for that good outcome. It is to recognize that I need help from time to time. That I cannot do it on my own. That everything in my life is not possible because of my hands or my actions or my activities. I need help. Just the simple act of saying thank you to somebody is an act of humility. Because you're actually recognizing, I don't have everything that it takes. I'm not a self-made person. I need help. So gratitude is an expression of humility. If you think about your life, just take a moment this morning with me and, and think of how many times and how many people has helped you along the way. That where you are today is because of the kindness and the goodness, not only of God, but of other people along the way. As I was preparing for this message and just thinking about this thing, and you know, the word gratitude has become quite popular in our culture, probably for the last decade or two decades. In psychology, more and more studies have been done about gratitude and its value and its meaning. And so often you would read about it and bump into sayings and, and memes about gratitude. But as I was thinking about it and I was thinking my own privileged journey that I've had in this community. I started coming to this community. I started attending Hatfield back in Anderson Street, as most of you know, in, in sort of the late 1970s, 1979, somewhere around there. My memory's a little spotty. I can't remember exactly. My mother can't remember exactly either. But it was around about there. And I was introduced into this community. And not only was I introduced into a relationship with God and a certain way of relating to God, I was introduced into a group of people that embraced us as a family and welcomed us in. My dad 
proclaimed to be an atheist. I don't think he really was. So he didn't really join us at church. But my mom, my brother, and I started coming to church. And then when we moved here to the tent, and then eventually into this building. And so if I start thinking and, and just start recalling faces and names of people throughout the years that have contributed and made my walk with the Lord possible, the list is too long to even mention. Whether it was pastors and leaders, I think of when Chris and Tony Anna, I think of Pastor Harry and, and Winnie. I think of leaders of those days. If I, if I think of just congregants that became our friends, our, our, our first community group or cell group as we used to call it those days when I was 12 years old, we started going to a community group. And I would do homework while the community group was going on, but they became part of my life and my experience of my faith. I think of my youth group that I went to and Auntie Mariette and Uncle Peter Walsh's home that I used to spend so much time in. They were our youth leaders. And so the journey goes. I think of Graham and Marie Cato and what they did and meant for us, Pastor Keith and Pira. I think of Jack and Pam. I see them right sitting at the top there. And for the journeys we've walked together, and I can name names and names. Yesterday I was privileged to bump into Tia's parents, Umurian and Tani Matilda, and we were in their community group where Natasha and I went. We were young people in our, in our year of your life time and training center time. And I can name names and names and names. But when I think of that, it humbles me. And I can only recognize how much good I've received from people along the way. And the reality is, my life would not be close to what it is now without the kindness and the goodness of people that helped me. When my car was broken, I remember one of my Year of Your Life friends' dad came and fetched my car and fixed it for me and didn't charge me for it. I think of people that helped pay my studies when I was a student and my mom couldn't afford. I can mention thing upon thing upon, and I'm sure the same is true in your life. If you just start sitting and recalling the goodness you've been shown along the way, and it will humble you as it humbles me. The people I now get to journey with, the awesome and amazing leaders we have in this community that I walk with, that I, that I get to do ministry with, it humbles me. They work really hard to make me look good. And I, so, I mean that. That's a joke. How did that not, like, that went nowhere fast. Are you asleep? Perhaps it's not a joke. Perhaps it's actually true. They work so hard. But it's such a joy to just walk with people and with you, this community. Some that have been here for longer than I have. Some that are new. It is a joy. But it's a joy because we recognize in humility. That so much of the good in our lives does not come from us. It's given to us by grace from the outside. And obviously, God is the greatest giver of grace to us. That we don't deserve His grace. But that's where we sometimes get in trouble, isn't it? I think sometimes the, the, the drain where gratefulness and gratitude runs out in our lives and runs down the drain is, is the drain that I want to call the drain of pride that is specifically manifests in entitlement. Sometimes we don't recognize 
the good that people do for us because we think we're entitled to that good. Let me take you to a story in the scripture where I think this is what happened. There's this well-known event in Luke 17, verse 11 to 18. I'm going to read for you from verse 11. Now Jesus, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. When he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. How many of you think if you were healed by leprosy, of leprosy, you would want to say thanks to the person that healed you? Why does nine out of the ten of these characters not come and say thank you to Jesus? I think the scripture alludes to the reason by mentioning the fact that the one that came back was a foreigner, was a Samaritan. Is it possible that the nine had a sense of entitlement. Of course Jesus has to heal us. We are Jews. We are children of God. We belong to the family of God. We have a covenant with God. It is only right that Jesus should heal us. They had an expectation based on their status that Jesus should heal them. And so when Jesus healed them, they went, of course he should have done that. It's only right. Finally, somebody is giving us what we deserve, and they didn't come back to thank him. Whereas the Samaritan said, Jesus owes me nothing. I had no claim to his pity and his mercy. I had no claim to his healing power. And he found his way back to Jesus, fell at the feet of Jesus and said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How often can we become entitled, thinking that we deserve, having an unrealistic expectation? Entitlement can be defined as an unrealistic, unmerited, or inappropriate expectation of favorable treatment at the hands of others. Unrealistic expectations that grow in us, that develop in us, and it's a form of pride that says, of course. It's only right. And then when something good comes our way, we don't recognize it. It's like if you're an employer and you have people working for you and they do a good job. You, say, you have a, an attitude that says, well, I don't have to thank them, I pay them. They're only doing what they get paid to do, so I don't have to thank them. That's perhaps entitlement to the other side, but it's the same spirit. That person only, you know, did what they were supposed to. You know, one of the little things that irritate me, little thing, is when I'm driving down to the Cape or something, and you're driving on a highway, and in South Africa we have this habit that if somebody's coming from behind and you see that, you know, they're going faster than you, that you pull over into the lane, you know, and then they pass you. And then what is they supposed to do once they've passed you? What do we as South Africans do? We either wave or nowadays we press the little hazard button and the hazards go bing, bing, and they say thank you. When somebody doesn't do that, it irritates me. 
But you know what else irritates me? Is what are you supposed to do then? Once they have pushed the hazards, flick, flick, what do you do? You f- do your brights. Who introduced this into South African life? I have driven in the UK, I have driven in Europe, I have driven in America. Nobody does it. We do it. It irritates me. If I'm the person going faster, a person pulls over, I do the hazard, and they don't give me the recognition. It irritates me. Then I sort of want to like take back my hazards. You know, say, how dare you not receive my thankfulness? Because it's, doesn't it just change your day when somebody shows gratitude? When somebody just says, you know, thank you. You didn't have to do that. Thank you that you did that. Not, yeah, you know, where's my cup of tea? You're supposed to make me a cup of tea in the morning. I'm not talking out of the house now. (laughs) Sometimes we become entitled. We think we deserve things. And the more entitlement creeps into our community, the lesser gratitude we will show and the more abrasive things become, the more difficult things become. Can I encourage you, be a person that says thank you all the time and often, even to people that are just doing their job. It's my habit that whenever I walk into a public restroom and there's a person that is cleaning, serving, I will go to them and say, thank you for giving us a clean bathroom. Sometimes it's a little more sarcastic than other times. (laughs) No, I'm teasing. But just to show appreciation, just to say, thank you. Thank you. Where does a sense of entitlement come from? How does it creep into our lives? Now, there's many different reasons, but I just want to talk about one, which is the primary reason. Psychologists have done studies nowadays, and in Psychology Today, they released a study that said the following. The primary reason or place that uh, entitlement creeps into a life of a person is during their childhood. The way we raise our children can create in them a sense of entitlement. When we raise our children in either of two extremes, too much positive attention and affirmation or too much negative interaction, it can breed in them a sense of entitlement. If nothing your child does is ever wrong, you are breeding in them a sense of entitlement. If you are telling them just be yourself, just express yourself, just do what you feel is right, you are creating in them a sense that the world must bow to their needs and their perspectives and their way of thinking. And that creates entitlement. While on the other hand, if you're always criticizing everything they do, if nothing they do is ever good enough, you're always finding fault, always picking at their their mistakes or their little shortcomings, you will also create in them a sense of entitlement. So we want to raise our children in that truthful, balanced place where we create boundaries where they can feel safe in. Boundaries that says there's a right way to do things. But within those boundaries, there, are, there is grace. There is support. There is love. There is warmth for you. And so perhaps even in our society, 
We can breed entitlement by being overcritical with one another, giving no grace and no space to each other, or by always just saying everything is awesome. How many of you remember the Lego movie? Everything is awesome. Not everything in life is awesome. How do we live in the reality of that? Now, I want to give you four quick practices that I want to suggest that we adopt in our lives. Because being grateful, as I said earlier, is both a feeling that I can have. So every now and then something happens to me and a feeling of gratitude overcomes me. And that's wonderful. But I can't just live for the feeling. I also have to have the disposition. And the way I have the disposition and be able to respond appropriately when I have the feeling of gratefulness and gratitude is I practice gratitude. So I want to give you four practices of gratitude. And to do the first one, I'm going to need the help of the children. So everybody that's sort of 12, 13 years and under, can I ask that right now? I need your help. I need every child under the age of 30 to stand on your chair quickly. Right now, stand on your chair. I know who you are that are not 13. Liesl, sit. Every child under the age of 13, stand on your chair, quickly. Okay, so what I'm going to need your help with is requiring of you to have a donut. How many of you have a donut with you? Where's your donuts? Oh, you don't have them yet. Okay, volunteers are quickly going to hand out a donut to each child standing on their chair right now. Okay, now you want to stay. Okay, but you're not allowed to eat the donut quite yet. Listen to me, just hold the donut because I need your help. If there are children here today that have, that have a, a challenge with gluten, we've got some gluten-free donuts at the back at the information desk. So if you can't eat a donut with gluten in it, you run to the back over there and they're going to give you a gluten-free, very tasty, very yummy donut. Is that okay? Once you've got your donut, I want you to sit down quickly just so that we know that you've got your donut. I've got mine. Mine's tastier than yours, I promise you. And at least it's bigger. If you've got your donut, we're going to play a little video clip while we're handing out the donuts, just of some people expressing gratitude in our community. Thank you, guys. You can play the, the video clip. I'm so grateful for my family, for my church family as well, and for God's goodness upon my life. Um, I'm grateful for, firstly, the gift of life, being here. Every day is a blessing. I'm grateful for her and our uh, little blessing on the way. So that's what I'm grateful for. I'll tell you what I'm grateful for. I, as you can tell by my accent, I'm from America. And when I moved to Africa, I wasn't planning on any cold weather. So the fact that spring is coming and the temperatures are rising and the sun is shining, ah, I couldn't be happier and more grateful. I'm thankful spring is here. I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for my wife. Uh, I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for the sun that God has given us his grace and mercy and being able to wake up every Sunday to come serve the Lord here at Hatfield Christian Church. I'm grateful to wake up every morning. I'm grateful for God's grace in my family, I think. I think we've reached a place where we are much more happier now just because of God's goodness. Yeah. I am grateful that at this day and time I am still alive 
grateful to the Lord for the life that he has given me and the journeys that he has taken me through throughout my whole entire life. I am grateful. I am grateful for family and fellowship and community. I'm grateful for family, for life and yeah. I'm grateful for having a family and pets and it's awesome being in 2.4G. Thank you. When I remember what things that God did for me, then yeah, I become so excited, I become revived, I become alive again. I'm grateful for my friends and family who've looked after me this year when I lost my job. I'm grateful for the love of Jesus. Daddy! Amen, amen. Okay. Okay, so kids, I want you to take your donut. If you got it out of the box, if it comes, I think it comes in a box or something. And then I want you to stand on your chair again with your donut in hand without eating it. Are we still waiting at the top for some donuts? They're going to come to you. Don't, they're going to get to you. Just wave your hands if you haven't got your donut at the top yet. Okay. But those that have a donut, won't you hold your donut? Now, will you show everybody around you that may not believe you like I am that a donut is made of two parts? It has a dough part, this part, and it has a whole part. How many of you want, just put your finger through the hole there, right there. Just show everybody that there's a hole in your donut. Come on, show everybody. Do you know that without the hole, it will not be a donut? It will be something else, a cookie or a muffin or a... Or a, as we call it in Afrikaans, this is a very nice Afrikaans word for a cupcake, a kolvainki. How many of you have heard of that nice word, a kolvainki? It'll be something else. But because it's got a hole, it is a donut. It is a donut because it has a hole. Now in life, we choose how we live. My first practice that I want to tell you about is to refocus Sometimes, all we begin to see in life is the whole. And we live our life for what's not there. Oh, look at the big hole in my donut. The, big, the hole in my donut is bigger than the your hole in your donut. That's unfair. Who gave me the donut with the biggest hole in it? And we start only seeing what is not there. Let's refocus to see what is there. Okay, come on. Let's begin to recognize the part that is there. How many, look at him, he's already eaten his donut. Hey, I told you you're not allowed to eat your donut. What is wrong with you? How can you do that? Okay, well, everybody else, just to make him feel better, eat your donut. Go and eat your donut. Don't share with your parents. It's yours. So refocus. Thank you. You can sit down once you've got your donut. If the kids at the top, have everybody got? No, there's still a couple here on my left. That whole section still waiting for donuts. Just keep your hand up. They will get to you. Okay? Sorry, the bakery is... Perhaps we have... I hope we don't have too few donuts. They're running. Okay. We're going to get donuts to you. So refocus. Yes, uh, this weekend, Natasha and I flew to George to go and uh, attend a memorial for, for, for friends of ours. And 
people from the South Church. And uh, on a Thursday afternoon, we flew out. And I was sitting on the plane, and, and I was in a little bit of a, a trouble spot in my mind. I was thinking about some things that, was, that I'm struggling with, that I'm having to come to grips with and answers and find solutions for it. And so I was like in a place where my mind was, was just a bit dark. And I could feel myself descending into a place of, of just negativity. Because I, I couldn't find how, what, what am I going to do, do with this situation. And I could feel the negativity sort of closing in around me. And then I remembered that I'm preaching about gratitude. And I have to practice it myself. So I said, refocus. So what I did is as I was sitting in that chair, I said, okay, what can I be thankful for now? And the first thing that came to mind is I felt the air because the airplane was before it was taking off and it was quite stuffy and hot in there. But I had this little vent that was blowing on me. And I just started saying, thank you for the air that's moving over me. And then I realized I just ate a nice meal. My stomach was quite full. It's not unusual for me, but I, uh, in that moment, I just said, thank you, Lord, for a nice meal that I just had. Thank you, Lord, that I'm sitting next to Natasha. Thank you that I do get the privilege to fly. Thank you that I'm going to go see the sea. And I started just that. You know and what happened as I was just thinking of things that I'm thankful for? Do you know that the challenge I was facing didn't disappear? It didn't go away. It wasn't solved. But what I did feel is the energy rising in me. And I started feeling energy. Okay, perhaps the problem, I can deal with it because the energy. I started feeling like I've got strength. Have you experienced that? When you're focusing on the whole the whole time, the energy starts seeping out of your life. And everything starts feeling like it's too big and too much. Refocus. Start looking at what is, is there and not just what is not there. So that's my first point, refocus. The second one that is closely tied to that is be real. Be real. What I'm not saying to you is ignore the whole. Make as if it's no whole. I'm saying to you, instead of just looking at the whole, H-O-L-E, look at the whole, W-H-O-L-E. Look at the whole picture. Life has holes in it. No surprise there. If you have an expectation in life that you are never going to face lack and difficulties and holes, then you are suffering from delusions. Even as a Christian. Christianity, our faith, is not ignoring the challenges, but it's seeing the whole picture. I may face a challenge. That's part of the truth of my life. The rest of the truth is I have a father that loves me. That's the whole truth and nothing but the truth. You may face a sickness and that is true and that is real and you don't have to ignore it. And ignore the emotional impact it has on your life. Ignore the financial impact. We're not saying to you, just make as if there's no problem. We're saying to you, yes, you have a sickness and that's real. Understand it. Look at it. Deal with it. But you also have a father that loves you. 
that is your healer, that is your deliverer, that is your provider. Do you see the whole or are you real enough to see the whole? And that's the kind of Christians we want to be. That's gratefulness. Nowadays in psychology, they're talking about what they call toxic positivity. And they're saying toxic positivity has the same potential to harm you as negativity does. What toxic positivity is, or also sometimes called free fantasy, is the inability to really look at the problem. It's ignoring the problems and thinking that if I ignore them, they will go away. I love what the Scripture says in Hebrews about Abraham. He considered his age. He didn't say, I'm 25. You may think I'm 95 or whatever. I'm 25. Sarah, stop looking at me that way. I'm 25. No, he considered his age. And what is it the Scripture then says? And yet... He believed God. That's faith. Looking the problem in the eye. Looking the challenge in the eye. But saying the whole picture is, I have a father that is good to me. So be real. Then I want to say the third practice is recall. So what I spoke about earlier. Remember times that you've been through where you were helped. And where God came through for you. And where somebody assisted you. As you start recalling those things, it brings perspective. Because how many of you know we can so often get into a place where we feel lost and, and like we're struggling. And then we forget all the good and all we see is the problem. But when we start remembering, hey, but I've been here before. Something similar to this has happened in my life, or, or I, perhaps I've been in another difficulty. It's not quite the same as this one, but I have been in a difficulty, and that difficulty, God brought me out of it. I can remember that. I know there's some kids still standing at the top that hasn't got donuts. I see a couple of you just made it to the end. I think we may not have donuts. After the service, you three, will you come here to the front, and we'll make sure you get two ice creams. Okay. Is that Okay. That's all we can do for you for now. <laughs> Debbie and I will give you our ice cream. So you <laughs> no, we'll make sure you get... Sorry about that if, if we ran out. But begin to recall the goodness of the Lord. Begin to remind yourself. And you will see how, again, the energy can flow out of your life or the energy from, this, from gratefulness will begin to flow into your life. An energy of remembering God's goodness. And then the last one is recognize. Recognize when, when you have been shown a, a kindness or when something good has happened in your life. Make it your habit. I know some people are, do what they call gratefulness journals where they will write in their journal daily things that they're grateful for. And that may be a thing that you need to do. But make it your habit to be quick to recognize. Just in everyday life, whenever somebody does something, say thank you. Flash your hazards when somebody pulls over for you. And then flash your brights if somebody else, if you've pulled over and they say thank you. And so the conversation keeps going until the person drives over the next hill. Somebody's flashing the light, somebody's doing the hazards. We just, you know, isn't that fantastic? Don't be a grumpy person. 
don't be a silly person that is like what they didn't do to me. Don't spend your life focused on what you don't have or what people aren't doing. Focus your life on what is happening and what people are doing. And soon there will be just a change, a shift that happens. So gratitude, worship team, you guys can join me. Gratitude is like putting your car in gear. Lack of gratitude, you will put it in reverse and you will go backwards. Gratitude, you will put it in first and you'll begin to move forward. It may not change the problem, but it will give you some life and some energy and some capacity to be able to move forward. Because sometimes the answer for the problem is just a little bit down the road. If you get stuck here now and you, and you can't move and you're going backwards, you're moving away from that answer which God wants to give you, that thing that God wants to show you and impart to you, that wisdom that you need, that next person that will come along and help you. If you keep moving forward, you can get there. But if you get stuck or start moving backwards, perhaps there's little opportunity for things to get sorted. I want you to stand with me quickly. I'm going to ask the team, and they're going to lead us in a song shortly. And I know your minds are on the fires and the Budavos rolls. And, the, and did I say there's ice creams when we leave just now? You know, I know that's where your minds are going now. But before we do that, I would hate for any person to leave here today not having had just a shift taking place in your life, just a breakthrough, just a moving of something. Where perhaps you're in a place where you're going, man, you don't know what's going on in my life. I, you're right, I don't know. But this I know. God loves you. He is for you, not against you. He has good plans for you. You are the apple of His eye. If you ask Him, He will answer your prayer. He hears every cry of our heart. But let us approach Him. As the scripture says, with a spirit of thanksgiving, let us praise him today and say, Lord, I begin to thank you in this moment. So right now, as we're standing, won't you just say, thank you, Lord, just for whatever in your own life. Just begin to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just begin to say thank you for something unique to you. Just say thank you. Thank you, Lord. And then as you're thanking the Lord, say, Lord, I, I recognize the challenges in my life. I recognize the problems. I recognize the places where I'm failing. I recognize the places that is too hard for me. I recognize my bad habits. I recognize. I'm not ignoring them, Lord. But I see the whole picture today. I see your arms around me like a big donut embracing me, saying to me, I love you. I am for you. You can't do this on your own. I humble myself before you today, Lord. And I say, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Come into my life. Come into my situation. Come into this hole that I have in my life, Lord. Come and show me your goodness. I need you, Lord. 
I'm going to ask that we're going to sing a song, a little bit of the song together, where we're just going to respond to the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close. So let's respond. Let's the Holy Spirit draw your heart towards Him, to the whole of His plan, to the whole of His goodness towards you. You are bigger than anything in life, Lord. You are more than enough. You are more than we could even ask or think we need, Lord. You are beyond our wildest dreams. Your goodness knows no end. Your mercies are new every morning. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, today. We we praise you and we lift you up. And Lord, we speak to any spirit of heaviness right now in Jesus' name. Any spirit of negativity that wants to bind a person, any spirit that has caught somebody in a place of darkness, in a place where they want to give up, a place where they feel hopeless, I take authority over that spirit today in Jesus' name. And we break the power of the lies of the enemy, of the manipulation of the enemy, of his abusing your people, Lord. We break the lies in Jesus' name. And we say, let the light shine. Let us see the whole picture, Lord. Forgive us for allowing the enemy to get us to focus on just a small part of the picture. Help us to see the whole and be grateful to you, Lord. To come running back to you like that Samaritan every day to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I thank you for the shift right now in the life of every person online watching with us, joining us online, every person in this place. Thank you for a shift in the spirit right now. In Jesus' name. Just begin to praise the Lord. Just give Him a round of applause. Just lift up your voice and say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we praise you, Lord, and we bless you. I'm going to begin to draw the service to an end. But I think we have to sing OMG again when I'm done. Is that okay? I want to sing it again. Okay. But before we do that, we have a wonderful challenge here today that we ordered 2,400 ice creams and the news got out. So now there's maybe a few more. So if you're a Liverpool supporter, you're not allowed to have ice cream. If you're a Man City supporter, you must bring us ice cream. You definitely can't have. I'm just kidding. So if you're not an ice cream person, just make sure that, you know, we try and get as much as we can. We think we may have enough. For those, I think there's 15 children that didn't get a donut. Please come to the front. We're going to have special ice cream for you to make sure that you get an ice cream. We don't want you. Please forgive us. You know, we ordered 450. And uh, okay. So, but we're going to have a great day together. I'm going to ask the guys, we're going to sing this OMG song, but you're welcome to leave. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord go with you. May His face shine upon you. May you experience the goodness of your Father in surprising ways. Remember our word for the year. He has prepared unimaginable good for us. May you experience the unimaginable good of the Lord. We'll see you outside. Natasha's going to join me just now. We'll be outside and just spending time with you. So please get your ice cream on the way out and let's sing the song together. Let's go for it.